I just want, shut up. Have you ever thought that for yourself? Like your thoughts and spinning and, and that kind of thing. And our lives are radically impacted by how we think. But, and I actually want to take you to a verse of scripture in Romans 12 and verse 2. Because we want to grow, I'm going to talk to you because about the fact that we want to grow to become so much more aware of what we're thinking about. How many times do you stop and think during the day, like to notice what you're thinking about? You know, do you have a time each day to sort of stop and go, what have I been thinking about? Everybody's looking at me like, am I supposed to do that? <laughs> well, in Romans 12 and in verse 2, it says, and do not be conformed or molded to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you, might, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So what this is saying, this is a powerful verse. You know that, that word transformed is the Greek word metamorphou, which we get the word metamorphosis from. So this verse is saying that instead, it says... There's a couple of options. We can be molded by the world around us, our brains, and whether we realize it or not, if we are not proactive and watching our thoughts and what we do with our mind, we are going to be molded and formed. I know we all think we're so independent, but you'd be shocked at how much we're sheep if we're not proactive about it. The... Um, Years ago, I was in the pitch business. You guys, you know, it's the stuff that you see at the uh, carnivals and things like that. Now you're just going to hate me. But, um. <laughs> but the pitch business, basically what happens is you really notice that people do what everybody else is doing. It's just shocking. It's shocking. That's one of the major premises. Like, if you've got a group of people and they're watching you demonstrate something, if one leaves, they're all going to leave. So part of the pitch business is that you sit there and you try and make sure nobody leaves because psychologically people will say, oh, that person's not interested, I shouldn't be either, and they'll all go. And it's, you can predict it. It's just shocking. You know, somebody first told me that when I first started. I said, no, seriously, we must be so much more independent than that. I'm certainly so much more of an independent person, so I thought. So, but this is saying that if we don't, that, that there's one option of being conformed or molded to the world around us in the way that we think, or instead of that, it's saying we can be transformed, metamorphosis. Now, metamorphosis, you think a caterpillar, right, into a butterfly. And that's a radical change. Caterpillars aren't like completely hideous. You know, they're kind of cute, but we're, we're all kind of like in awe, aren't we, at the transformation of a little squirrely, squirmy little thing into this gorgeous, colorful butterfly. And so it's saying that radical transformation can come, it says, by the renewing of our minds. So what that means is that we want to be watchful about our thinking and what we do and where we spend our thoughts. And that's, and I, and you know, I've been spending a lot of time uh, lately working with our leadership team even on this as far as just really, you know, we're leaders. 
And yet, you'd be surprised at how much it's really easy to give in to destructive thoughts that take you down, that keep you stuck, and keep you frozen and not moving forward. So it takes time, it takes practice, it takes diligence, it takes being proactive to interrupt destructive thinking. And now, I'm not just talking positive thinking. I mean, a lot of times, you know, that's years uh, before the pitch business, even, <laughs> years and years ago. Um, you know, I was really into the, I was in sales, and, and I was really into the positive thinking stuff. And it was all about, I really, I was really gung-ho about positive thinking. And so we would say things like, I will win, and we would scream it, you know. <laughs> we'd even have a little chant, get down, and because I have faith, I have courage, and I have enthusiasm. That was one of our things. So anyway. <laughs> but what was not, what, it, uh, what didn't work about that is if you're positive about something that's not positive, lying to yourself is just not helpful. You see, people on American Idol, they can tell themselves all day during those auditions, right? That you see them. How helpful is it that this person thinks they can sing when they can't? Is that doing anything for them at all? Delusion is not helpful. It's disempowering. So what is the renewed mind? We're going to talk about what is the renewed mind and how we can uh, be empowered by watching what we think. So actually, let's go to another one, Proverbs 23, in verse 7. It says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. This says who we are as a person is based on what? What we think. Wow. Now, even more to emphasize it is as you think in your heart. Now, the Bible, when it speaks about heart, it's, it's a part. It's not really your heart. What it is is it's really a part of your mind, but it's a part that you have made it's, it's kind of the innermost part of your being, if you think about it. It's the part of your thoughts that are driving and making decisions about everything that you do in life. It's the way that you're looking at the world around you. It's the way that, it's what you believe about yourself. It's what you believe about others. It's what you believe about the world and how it works. That's your heart. So in order to get in your heart, it takes the things that we think about over and over and over again until we believe that they're true. And so that's what we want to look at is what, what that is, is who we are. It det des determines the decisions. It determines everything. So would that be important to pay attention to? That's basically, I just want to start off saying, this is a big deal. We want to pay attention to what we're thinking about, way more than probably you are right now. I'm just guessing. Um, since I got a lot of blank looks when I said, how much time do you spend every day thinking about what you're thinking about? Um, so another thing is, well, let's go to actually, um, 2 Corinthians 10. Because if our, if what we believe is based on faulty thinking, on things that aren't real, on fears, it's not helpful. In 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 5, it says, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity 
to the obedience of Christ. So now this is speaking about the fact that we need to be, it's saying that when we think things, we need to bring them captive if they're contrary to the truth of what God says. So it's saying we need to be thinking reality. Because God's about reality, you know. If you, if you don't believe in God yet, you can understand, hey, our thoughts should line up with reality. I really believe the closer you move towards reality and truth, the closer you're going to move to God. You know, I know maybe people think that God's the opposite of that. Honestly, it's not. You know, if, if you're embracing truth and that's what you're about, I think you're going to find God in it. Um, so a good place to start moving is embracing truth and embracing reality. So it says, if something comes in that's against that, we want to grab it, throw it down. We want to say, we want to make our minds behave. Make your mind behave. Now, you cannot stop a thought from entering your mind. We all get crazy thoughts, right? Not just me. Um... <laughs> want to break the law just for fun, just to see what happens. I'm <laughs> just like, let's try speeding down the freeway at 120 and see if my car will do, you know, whatever. Sorry, Danny. Uh. <laughs> I, I wouldn't do that, honestly. <laughs> um, it's a policeman in our midst. So um, <laughs> anyway. So the thing is, is you can't stop the thoughts from coming in. That's okay. You don't need to shame yourself for getting wacky thoughts. You get to decide if they stay there, though. And the rule is you can only think one thought at a time. I, try right now. Try thinking two thoughts. Just try. Raise hands if anybody has succeeded in thinking two thoughts at the very same time. No hands. So... If you get a thought, it won't help to say stop it. It just sort of brings more attention to the thought that you don't like. But you can replace it with reality. And that's what this is speaking about, is to bring every thought captive into what's tr the truth of God, or, like I say, reality works too. Because um, the... It talks about the spiritual battle in the Bible. The spiritual battle happens a lot in the mind. So here's what, um, I want to address a couple of things as far as where destructive thinking is and what we can do to move it and what it looks like. So one, we talked about last week, and we're actually going to talk about this further in the series is spending, a, because last week we talked about choice and focusing on the things that you have power over versus the things you don't have power over. So spending a lot of time thinking about things that you can't change is not helpful. It'll keep you stuck, putting all your energy. We kind of talked about that last week. Um, <clears throat> but the area that I actually really want to focus on another, there's a lot of different areas of destructive thinking, but one that I think people are impacted by a lot is self-talk. I really want to address how you speak about yourself to yourself. Because that has a huge impact on our lives, is how we see ourselves and what we say to ourselves. So there's two extremes. 
and neither one are going to work. One is the overly positive. We kind of talk. It's Stuart Smalley, you know. You know, Stuart Smalley isn't Saturday Night Live. It's just like I'm wonderful. People like me. You didn't see that. So we're hoping to have a video of it, but it's. Everybody laughs. It's ridiculous. Why? Because he's, he's like one of the guys on American Idol that can't sing, you know, and thinks he can. So we know that, the, that just overly positive is a challenge. And also another part of overly positive, just that that's not going to work. Let's go to Proverbs 16 because I want to talk about what the problem, what some of the other issues with just being overly positive is. It's, it's talking about pride. Pride... <clears throat> It says in Proverbs 16, verse 18, it says, pride goes before destruction. Guess, if you have pride, you know what the next thing's going to be? Destruction. And a haughty spirit before a fall. Now, why would that be? Because what pride is, pride is where you feel good about yourself by comparing yourself and making yourself superior to others. So for one, God says that all of us are valuable and unique. So comparing in a way that you feel better than other people is a no-win situation. It doesn't take grace into account. Makes you judgmental, makes you hard-hearted, and there's no way you can compare because you can't win. Because if you are super smart, there's going to be somebody smarter, so you can't win. So if that's how you're feeling good about yourself, is being superior, there's always going to be somebody better. So if that's your, that's your guideline, you're going to feel like crap at a certain point, right? Do you see how that doesn't really work? And it hardens your heart and it makes you judgmental. So this is not, and what it does is if you're only taking in the positive and you're closing your eyes to the negative, you can see where the destruction comes in. Because you can't fix anything bad. If something's not working, you can't fix it. So that's where the destruction. You see that in corporations all the time. There's a great book called um, Overcoming the Dark Side of Leadership and it talks about people that had mega corporations and, um, you know, the, the, actually even Christian ministers, they have um, Jimmy and Tammy Faye in there as an example. You know, where ego and pride, they're just not dealing with stuff and looking at things in their life, and of course they crash and burn. But there's all kinds of, they, they, it's really an interesting book because it talks about people that have power for a while, but because it's based on arrogance and pride and not working on things, you will crash and burn. You will also crash and burn comparing yourself. It also gives you this, I've arrived mentality, like I'm good, and it cuts you off from seeking. We want to never not be seekers. I didn't say that very well. We want to always be seekers. That's probably a better way to say it. We want to have a seeker mentality. I don't, whatever it is, that we should never have a way of thinking that we're close to learning or exploring or discovering or that we're afraid to look at things differently or consider other possibilities or options. If something's true, it'll hold up to scrutiny so that there should not be fear in considering things or weighing things out. We don't take in new ideas that way, so we don't want to cut ourselves off that way. I'm a Christian, but you know what? You should be able, as a Christian, to be able to be curious about what other people believe and want to learn and be fascinated, you know? Bible says to cleave to that which is good. Wherever there's good, we want to cleave. It 
it's a way of protecting yourself. You see it on, it's kind of funny on Facebook. It doesn't, it's just sort of like, what do you think seriously when somebody does some bragging on Facebook? Don't you feel a little sorry for them? You're like, wow, it looks, why do people even do that? Because the truth is, is if you really, the Bible says, let other lips praise you. If you have to do it yourself, underneath it, you're compensating for fear and insecurity. It's not a fix. It's awkward, right? When you see people do that, just like, oh, hard to watch. Okay, Galatians 6 and verse 3, it says, For anyone thinks himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. That's Stuart Smalley. American Idol. We, so we kind of, it was a good scripture, but we kind of already talked about what was behind that. Okay, let's go. Now, the other extreme, so that's why that, that just being positive, pride, comparing yourself won't work. The other side is overly negative. Now, one thing is that's a problem is if you have a hard time taking in good things. I want you to think right now, is it hard for you when somebody says something good to you, is it hard for you to take it in? You know, we, we want to take in good things that are true from other people. We want to notice if somebody's saying something to us that values us or saying that they, what, what's good or valuable, we want to be able to take it in. Unless there's really a really good reason to believe that somebody's blowing smoke up your butt, then believe it. Kind of stop, like really, is this somebody that just does that? There are people that do that, and those, those compliments I don't take in quite as easily. I'm like, you just want everybody to like you and say fake things to everybody. That's not, you know. But, I, but just take a pause. If somebody's saying something good to you and say, is it that? Or could, do, could they really mean it? Because we want to be able to take in the good. That's a part of the reality. Part of our reality that we want to take in and believe and say about ourselves is, what do other people say about me? What are the good things that they say that make me valuable, that make me one of a kind? We also want to interrupt harsh self-talk, out-of-control negative voices that are shaming or condemning. Like, who do you think you are? You can't get anything right. Wish I hadn't done that. I can't, you know, it, shaming voices. Shame is never useful ever, ever, ever. There is nothing valuable about shame. I want, let's go to Romans 8 and verse 1. Shame is paralyzing. Sometimes, have you ever thought that you beat up on yourself, that that's going to help move you forward? You'll listen, you try and be your own parent in your head. It does not work. It's paralyzing. Romans 8 and verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation. What does that say? No condemnation. Yeah. Let's say it again. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not, who walk not, who do not walk, sorry, according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin 
He condemned sin in the flesh. So there's not even a little bit of condemnation. What this means is, what this is saying is that there is not, God does not shame you at all. It says Jesus Christ paid the price for you for everything that you did that you fell short. Everything. That's the part of his sacrificing his life. It says if you, you don't have to ever earn God's love. Ever. The life of Jesus Christ paid for everything. So that we don't have to have any sense of shame or condemnation. It's not helpful. God doesn't condemn you, so you don't have a reason to condemn yourself. But how do you look at negative things? Because that's a part of it is there's a way to look at negative things without the condemnation that's healthy and not destructive. Let's go to um, Romans 12 and verse 3. If you're telling yourself that you're unworthy, that you're not deserving, it's a lie. God loves you right now. It says in Romans 12 and verse 3, it says, For I say through the grace given to me. Grace means favor, God's blessing that you don't deserve. Through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, and that's thinking in reality, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. In God's eyes, we, like he loves us all the same. There is no earning his love. It's by grace. <clears throat> and let's go to another one, Ephesians 4 and verse 5. It says, uh, no, I'm sorry, in Ephesians 4 and verse 15, it says, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. So this specifically in Ephesians 4, 15 it's speaking about how we can help one another to grow is we want to speak truthfully and in love. That's going to be how you want to speak to yourself as well. So it means that you want to be in reality, but in a way that's gentle and loving. So I'm going to give you some examples because I know that you'll probably recognize a couple things like this. If you fail, because I'm a teacher. Uh, my day job, I teach acting. I'm telling you, actors beat up on themselves a lot you know, when they're doing things. There's a lot of, I'm constantly working with my actors about their shaming voices because they have an idea that they're supposed to be amazing at this and they've never done it before. So people, so the, one of my first goals as a teacher is to get people okay with failing, to make it okay, that there's not all the shame behind failing. You cannot learn anything at all without failing a lot. You can't. So you want to normalize it and take the shame out of it. So, what you want to do is, if you're failing, instead of saying, see, I can't do this, I wasn't meant to do this. Do you know how much you're going to stop yourself from doing what God's calling you to do, what your dreams are? If, if you failing is getting in the way, or struggling, we're going to have a whole session on the power of stretching and, and, and struggling, uh, too, is going to be in the own your power, but... If that's what you're expecting, 
You're putting, you're, you're not going to grow. You're not going to be all that God's called you to be as far as your potential goes. But here's what you say. Is failing's normal? Say it really nicely to yourself. Can we say that? Failing's normal. I can learn. You can say that. I can learn. I can get help. You know, it's normal. We're going to talk about this too. It's normal to get help. It is really horrible that people think that this, even in our culture, that everything is about being independent. I don't need anybody and blah, blah, blah. It's a lie from hell. It's not God's system. You will not be all you're meant to be if you're trying to do it by yourself. You won't. You won't grow. You won't learn. God's designed us to all need help to grow. Even in my career, I can't tell you how much I limited myself for so many years you know, I, I've been moderate, you know, moderately successful, but it just went into overdrive when I really started really applying the principles of getting help. That's going to be another one that we're going to talk about too. All these, we, I got a bunch of these for own your power, things you can do to kick things into high gear and get things moving. Some of the other things, shaming voices. We're going to kind of talk about some of these voices and what you can do. Comparing, oh, I'm not like so-and-so. You know, I struggled with this, that because my mentor, I'm 54, and this is doing this church thing is very new to me, and uh, my mentor's 32 and knows everything. And so there are times when I'm like, I feel like a fool. I'm 54. I don't know anything. You know everything. You're 32. Am I crazy? What? Why am I doing this? I don't know what I'm doing. Comparing yourself is not going to help any. Because God's called each of us to have our part. And I believe that God's called me to have a part in helping other people just in the part that I got. He can't, this 32-year-old can't do everything. You know? There's a part I can play, I can help, I can contribute. You know, it's not too late. 54, it's not over for 54-year-olds. thinking that. I kind of did. You're laughing. I thought that. These are my voices. What can I possibly do at 54? I'm going to be holding a cane soon, you know, like. <laughs> Comparing is disempowering, and I'm going to show you some stuff to come against it. Shooting on yourself. Yes, I said that. Shooting on yourself. Shooting on yourself is, I should be further ahead. I should know better. If you're learning something and you're failing and you're doing it over and over again, the beginning, you are going to learn the lesson but still not be able to do it. That's normal. You know, preaching is really new to me and has been very, very intimidating, quite frankly. Um, and so the process for me over these last few years of just being terrified, you know, it's just, it's only been a couple weeks ago that I didn't get terrified every single time I got up here. Terrified. But, um, but learning and saying, you know what, a Adam would give me notes about things I needed to change, and then he'd tell me, and then I sure enough still wouldn't be able to do it the next week. You know? So if I sat there and went, I should, he told me, I should be able to do this by now. You hear things once that you're supposed, you know, that you need to work on, 
doesn't mean that you're magically all of a sudden now going to do it. My actors do that too when I'm talking to them and they're learning something new. I tell them once and somehow they think that's good. Now they should be able to do that every time. No. When you're learning something, that's not how it works. Another thing is per perfectionism, all or nothing thinking. We kind of talked about that with the ant last week. I've screwed up too much. I'm not good at anything. Doesn't matter wh what I do. I won't make a difference. Here's some of the you know, just think, I want you to be thinking right now of some of the noise in your head that's extreme, that's harsh. Some of the things that you say to yourself. And then I want to talk about, like, again, getting rid of perfectionism is I can learn. I can get help. Another one is, is God can help. You know, part of this is, as far as reality, is living a reality where God's a part of it where we're including God in our lives, that we're not doing it by ourselves, that we don't have to. I don't have to do it by myself. God loves me. God loves me. You know, good one to, that I say a lot of times to, when it seems really hard for me is, I'm willing. I'm willing to learn. I'm, I'm open to learn. And God loves me and he can help. I say that to myself all the time. I'm willing. Can you say that? I'm willing. I'm willing to learn. God can help. You know, when you're having that. Part of this is, is just being aggressive by interrupting when you start thinking those things. Here's in the comparing. God made me one of a kind. I'm one of a kind. Can you say that? I'm one of a kind. You know, I have gifts and talents unique to me. Is that true about you? I have gifts and talents unique to me. It's okay that I'm not 32. My life matters. Can you say that? My life matters. I can make a difference. I can make a difference. Okay. I'm valuable to God. Cool, cool. I don't have to be great at everything. I don't have to be great at everything. I can, I can just give the best of who I am. I can give the best of who I am. Okay. So I'm going to give you some things because you you're going to need help with changing the way that you speak to yourself. And that's one of the reasons that we do the fellowship. We decided to do the fellowship series in connection with this. If you guys don't know, we do home fellowships around the Bay Area. And we decided to do them in connection with this teaching series because to really make a major shift, you're going to need help from other people. You're going to need people to recognize when you're shitting on yourself or, you know, when you've got extreme harsh voices, et cetera, where you need people to help and to give you reality, not BS, but reality about what's good about you. And if it's negative, you can, hey, I can learn. I'm on the, all I can do is be on the path. I can learn, I can grow. That's how you can take in negative things. Instead of the shaming won't help, but what will help is say, I can get help, I can learn. And that we get to start all over, that God gives us a new chance all the time. Um, you want to ask for help for people who's, who are safe, who won't blow smoke up your butt, 
you know, part of one of the, here's some ways you can put in some reality in your brain. You can say things like, many people say I'm good at this. You know, things you're not great at yet. Of course I'm not good yet. I just started. That's okay. Those are things that you can say to yourself. I can learn. It's normal to fail. If you screwed things up, you can say, it's grace. God loves me just the way I am. I can start over. God can help. I can get help. So here's what I want to do for um, just some takeaway things as we close here. I want to, here's a list, and it's on your version if you've got the version Bible app. This is just a list of a bunch of scriptures, and I'll put it on the Facebook um, thing to uh, fan page for Searchlight. And these are the verses that are really good ones to put in your head when you have destructive thinking, of things that you can do to interrupt some of that thinking. And so we're not going to read all the verses because too much, but I'm going to give you sort of the summary. In Isaiah, the Bible says that we are tattooed in the palms of his hands, that that's how much he cares about us. In Romans, that there's therefore now no condemnation. We read that one. Another one in Romans 8, God is for me. Another one, I am more than a conqueror, it says, through him that loved me. Another in Romans 8, it's a good chapter. Nothing shall separate me from the love of God. In 1 Corinthians, I am important and one of a kind. And these are just the summaries of the verses. There's a lot more. I'm just sort of giving you little captions for it. I am a new creature. I can start over. I am chosen before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless. I am his masterpiece. I can do everything through Christ. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. Now I am a child of God. If my heart condemns me, God is greater than my heart and knows all things. And in 1 John, greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Okay. So those are some things that you can put in your head. I encourage you, there's only a few spots left for the fellowships if you'd like to sign up. Uh, They start this week, so you'd have to sign up um, before... Uh, the it's just there's just a couple openings on the Wednesday one, so you'd have to sign up before that. Chris will tell you more. Next week we're going to talk about accessing God's power. Now, and the, we're going to talk about some things that even if you don't believe in God right now, I'm going to show you some ways that you can actually access and see the power of God in your life. Because God, if you don't know God yet, God loves you and wants you to see Him. God was willing. If you're seeking and want to see God, God is so willing to reveal himself to you. Amen. Yeah. So next week we're going to talk about how to access God's power. So I hope you'll come back for that. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your goodness um, and your mercy. God, help us. Help us that when we see, then we, when we get these thoughts that are destructive and hurtful, help us to notice it and replace them with truth, with reality. Not with fluff, but real things. Real things that it's okay that we fail. Real things that are good about us. Real things that other people say about us. Real things that you say about us. That we want to believe what's true. Not things that are just destructive, hurtful thinking. So help us, God, to notice. Help us also to reach out for help in this, to not be alone in this journey. So I thank you for these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.